Welcome to NSN Daily. Shannon Kelly, I'm Brian Samudio. Uh, starting off uh, with a great guest to kick off our show, uh, Blake Lolly, the brand new manager of uh, the Reno Aces. And if that name sounds familiar, you're a true fan of the Aces. It should sound familiar because a uh, former player and now the skipper. Uh, Blake, uh, you've got a couple of years under your belt of, of running a baseball team. Uh, one, uh, Are you used to, to guys calling you skipper yet? You, you, you're still in playing shape, man. Yeah. No, I... Uh... It took a little bit to get used to, but now, yeah, everyone I hear skip and I turn my head and uh, no, that I, I'm used to it now and uh, comfortable with it. And um, yeah. Just, you know, what's it been like these last few months, I guess? I mean, I should say the last year, really. I mean, there was no baseball last year. I mean, you've known baseball your whole life. I mean, first, just how weird was that time for you not having a minor league baseball season? Yeah, it was, it was really weird, you know, and, and uh, you know, you really feel for the players when, when something like that happens, especially, I mean, I, I, I can be, I can be thankful that like I, I'm, I was done playing and now, now I'm coaching and trying to help those guys reach the major leagues and the Diamondbacks, um, you know, help the Diamondbacks out. And it, I, I just, I always kept going back to like, man, if this would have been during my career, like how much it really would have, um affected me so um yeah you know like I said my heart just kept going out to the players and uh definitely a uh, a different year new Reno Aces manager Blake Lolly joining us here on NSN Daily uh Skip when uh, when we look at the trends in Major League Baseball um so much now is in the analytics it's in the spin rate and launch angle and honestly uh I'm, I'm pushing 50 and I'm one of those guys that I'm more of an instinct sort of guy. You're 37. The trend is going toward younger managers and guys that maybe can relate with players a little bit better, maybe better when it comes to the analytics and understanding that. Um, what do you, what do you see when it comes to the future of baseball and being a young manager? Well, I mean, first off, I, I think the young players are, are more exciting than ever. I mean, they, they offer so much. I mean, you're seeing, you're seeing 20 year olds, you know, every day now that can 21 year olds that can impact major league baseball games. And I think, I think back when, you know, when I first started playing and, um, you know, looking at it, it was more of a progression. And I remember the first uh, major league team I was on, you know, it was nothing to have guys 35, 36, 38 in the clubhouse. And then I looked to, like the last time that I um, played in the big leagues with Atlanta in 2016, I was uh, 33, almost 34. And I was the oldest guy in the clubhouse, like by far. And, and the game's changing that way. Players are, are making an impact sooner. And I, I think to answer your question, I think a lot of it has to do with probably the information that we can provide them. I think analytics the way I like to look at it is they're, they're, they're a great coaching tool. Like, I don't think they're, they're, you know, the end all and in, in the way baseball is, I, I tend to use my gut a lot, especially like during a game. Like I love instinct. I love players to use their instinct. Um, I just think that with everything that's available nowadays, it just makes it a lot easier for a coach to maybe relay the information to them. Yeah. And just, you know, as a catcher, you naturally have that coaching mentality in a way because you're helping lead the team when you're out there on the field. I mean, just how do you think being a former catcher has helped you in this role now as a skipper these last few years? 
I think it helps a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, essentially, when when I was behind the plate, like you have the game in your hands. Like you're 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 calling every pitch. You're you know the full game plan before the game starts, probably more you know than anyone else. And um, what's funny is I, I think when you're playing, you don't you don't really pay attention necessarily to or, or talk about it with like your teammates. Some teammates, you know, like hey, why you do this? Why are you doing that? But um, coaching actually the, the last couple years um, with guys that played professional baseball for 15 years plus or you know 10 years plus and uh, say they were an infielder or an outfielder and like yeah I've never thought of the game from that perspective um, so it's it's you know because we'll talk as coaches like why are we doing that way you know well I don't know just I remember from being back there I used to see certain things and and this is why so I I think it's it's a benefit it's just one of those things you have to do to kind of understand what's going on back there. Blake Lolly joining us here on NSN Daily. Uh, Blake uh, the experience with uh, as the manager of the Kane County uh, Cougars that's in uh, Geneva Illinois and I bring this up only because Reno is such a unique uh, market when it comes to this also uh, with uh, with Jackson in Tennessee the Jackson Generals uh, working there in 2019 they are a combined elevation of just over a thousand feet uh, Reno is like hitting a golf ball at the point uh, you're going to be at near 5,000 feet how much does that change your managerial style how much does that does that even throw in or, or am I over analyzing uh, I mean you know, I, I think as far as managing, I don't think it changes the style. I, th- I think it's I think it's more of how it's pushed upon the players, or, you know, like I, I think um, obviously it, it, it helps hitters. And, um, you know, I think you just need to keep pushing. Maybe sometimes guys try to do too much because of the elevation or whatnot. And on the on the other side of it, it's like telling pitchers like, hey, you you, you stick to what you do and like it will all, you know, show out over the, over the course of a year. And I, I think that's probably the biggest obstacle with, with, uh, when dealing with like elevation and stuff like that is trying to um, keep pitchers on the track of, you know, I, I'm good at what I do. This is what I do good. And I know the ball is going to, going to fly here, but you know, we, we, we got to stick to what we're doing, but no, I mean, I've played many games in that park and yeah, I mean, balls can keep going and, and then you got big dimensions too. So there's a lot of hits in front, you know, no one talks about, no one talks about the hits that are in front of the outfielders in Reno. They just talk about the ball flying, but because the dimensions are so big and it does fly, there's a lot of hits in front as well. Just after losing last year at the minor league level, I mean, just how important is it to get this season in and to continue developing players? I mean, the minor leagues are so are so crucial. Yeah, it's very crucial. I mean, you know, we were kind of fortunate last year to, um, you know, the, the major league season went on and we had the alternate site camp where we were allowed to, you were allowed to have 60 players between the major leagues and the minor leagues. And we were allowed that, um, have some guys out that um, basically we, we, you know, we intersquad every single day and like just try to get at bats and try to get innings. And, um, you know, it, it was, there's nothing like playing another team and uh, you know, with, with fans in the stands and at a park. So I, I think everyone's ready to get back to that, but 
for the entire system, we, we need to get back to games. And, and yeah, there, there's some really young, talented players in the organization that we, we, we obviously don't want to lose any ground on. Blake, obviously a AAA managerial job in your, in your mid to late 30s is, is very attractive. But uh, when, you, when you talk about Reno and, and the, the guarantee that Reno is going to be the AAA affiliate of the Diamondbacks for the next 10 years, You've got a great management team in, in uh, Eric Edelstein and Emily Jansen, all, all top to bottom. Uh, Shannon just did a great story on Leah, who's, a, who's the head groundskeeper there. And you're going to have a brand new playing surface. Um, what else do I have to do? Do I have to get you a, like a, a rooftop <laughs> apartment somewhere? I mean, come on, man. This, is, this sounds like a pretty sweet time to be taking over the reins. Yeah. Of Reno, do, do I not get that? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen your contract. Sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> no Seriously, Reno's Reno's such a great place, and and the fact that now you know the Diamondbacks know for ten years that like Reno's home, and, and it's been home for a while already. Um, you know, I, I can't for my time there as a player in fourteen and fifteen. You know, management was unbelievable, and they treated us great, and 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 nothing's changed, and and it's just it's always just a great place to go and, and play. And I know you talk to families. I know personally, like my wife and kids, when we were out there, like it's their favorite place that we've been in the minor leagues. And, and it's just, uh, they do a very good job of, of taking care of players and staff and anyone that comes in there. And with spring training, just getting underway, really, I mean, you guys just had your first full squad workout. What, you know, what's just the buzz been like down there? I mean, I have to imagine players are just so excited to be back. Yeah, it, they really are. You know, the start of spring training's always been one of like the best times in baseball as a player or a coach, because there's just so much excitement and, um, you know, guys have goals and you're ready to go. And it's just, energetic and and you see you kind of start to see the way you know teams form and 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 where we're going and it's just a it's a really good time and I I think um yeah I would say the energy is as high as ever uh and you know last year probably plays a part in that new manager of the Reno Aces and Reno Aces alum Blake Lolly joining us here on NSN Daily uh Blake before we left let you go we pretty much talked to everybody about this during the the pandemic we're coming up on a basically a year of us being out of the office when we talk with coaches and athletes male or female they talk about how yeah it was nice to be able to start it's been nice to spend time with my family with my kids with my wife with my husband whatever and then as the pandemic went along that could have changed a little bit for some people. It was kind of like, get out of the house. So you're being, I'm, I'm used to you being on the road. I'm used to you being there. What has kept you sane during this pandemic? Baseball players, you got to keep them busy. I mean, 162 games at major league level. What has kept you sane? Um, well, I mean, the family does keep you sane. I have the, the, the two kids and, you know, running around with them, I think keep, keeps your, your, you busy. You know, I, I enjoy going to their games and, taking them places and stuff like that. But uh, no, you know, it, it, it's part of like, you know, the quote unquote baseball life. Like we're, <laughs> we leave our house. There's many years I leave my house in January and the next time you see it is in November. And, and like, you know, then you have it for, you know, you're there for a couple of months and then it's time to go again. And I know like my family's definitely used to that. And when it, when it doesn't happen, it's like, 
so what do we do? <laughs> you know, you find you find like a random like day and you're like, so what do we do now? <laughs> we can certainly relate to that. I can absolutely relate to that. Uh, Blake, uh, we hope that everything goes well in spring training and uh, we're still hoping to, to get as many butts in the seats as at Greater Nevada Field as we can safely do it and uh, cover Reno Aces games and get them back on the air here on Nevada Sportsnet. We really appreciate the time. Yeah, no, thank you so much. And I, I really am looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, I can't wait. We'll be, we'll be back with much more. Okay, okay what's the dog's name? I, I, I don't know. It's not my dog. The, the window's open here in the apartment. And it's, it's, there's someone outside, but no, I don't, I don't have a dog. See, that would be weird. If I heard a voice in Shannon's apartment. I'd be like, wait, she lives alone. What's going on? No, I'm, like, yeah. I, I'm like, wait, there's a dog somewhere, but it is. It's nice enough in Arizona right now that you can't have the windows open. It's pretty nice up here in Northern Nevada. These yeah. Yeah, no, we had like, it was like 79 and sunny today. So it's like just perfect. But yeah, I, the dog came in at the end when it's there. <laughs> Not Blake's dog. <laughs> Blake, thank you very much. We'll have much more coming up on Innocent Daily right after this. Welcome back to NSN Daily. Reed High School graduate Jake McGee continues to grind when it comes to being a major league relief pitcher. The big left-hander won a World Series with the Los Angeles Dodgers last year, recently signed with the San Francisco Giants. Our own Kirsten Moran tells his story. I got the Little League Giants and the Babe Ruth Giants, and now the real Giants, you know, and it's just very surreal. And Mark McGee becomes speechless as he reflects on son Jake McGee's 12-year MLB career. The left-handed reliever is finally coming home to play for the team he grew up watching. I watch the Giants a lot too. We go to Giants games here and there. Um, so to be able to sign with the Giants the other day is, you know, it's very fortunate and it's hometown team. So it, his whole life has been baseball. I mean, honestly, we we would play in a tournament like three games on a weekend, and we'd come home and I'd hear him out in the outside breaking boards in the fence, throwing a ball at the fence. You know, I, I mean, he just lived baseball. And, you know, and he left at 17, he was still a kid. So I, he basically has grown up, you know, in that environment. Growing up, I went to Reed High School, um, played pretty much only baseball, didn't really play any other sports. We went travel ball teams all the time, junior, senior year, um, semi-letter intent to UNLV and then ended up getting drafted by Tampa and went that route. Um, so I was still only 17, I figured I'd get in pro baseball and worked out pretty well. McGee is coming off a World Series championship with the Dodgers, an experience he says he'll forever be grateful for. It was really fun. The whole season was different, um, kind of being confined, like didn't even want to go out of the house too much, even when, during the season. But when we went to the bubble in Dallas, it was just the hotel to the field, hotel to the field. but. Everyone with the Dodgers had their family there, so all the kids had fun, you know, being with the family is always a good thing. And now playing for the opposing team, how do you think that's gonna feel? Um, I think it'll still feel like a rivalry, even be on the other side. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for me to be with the Giants and then last year with the Dodgers. Um, but I think at the end of the day is, you think of just game at a time and go and do your job. Mark says it's the man that Jake's become he's most proud of. It's uh, it's been pretty cool. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it all started here, and it's incredible. You know, from T-ball to high school to uh, just everything, the travel teams, and, uh, 
I feel like I'm getting to know my son again. You know, some people don't understand that, but when the profession he's in, <clears throat> you, you don't spend a lot of time together. You know, in, in the off season, they usually travel or do something cool, you know, he and his wife, but, uh, you know, now he's home, you know, so we can go, go fishing or, you know, I'm really bad at golf. I'm going to try to get better so I can go play with him because he's got into golf. The Reed High alum is back in his hometown, which gives him the opportunity to practice at the Northern Nevada Baseball Club, owned by third-round MLB draft pick and friend Chris Aguia. And this is uh, the first offseason back here in Reno, but I'm very fortunate to have Chris have me let me work out here and be with all the guys here and help them out when I can and just, you know, whenever I'm needed to help out and throw here and it's fortunate to have catchers and, you know, all the resources you need to get ready for the season. Would you say that he got his baseball genes from you? No. <laughs> he just always had a natural, and he loved it. You know, I mean, he <clears throat> just loved playing baseball. A new team brings new opportunities for McGee, who hopes to help the bullpen in any way possible. The Giants, I think their bullpen's a little younger, so it'll be good to, you know, mentor some of those guys and just kind of be a part of that group and help build the bullpen a little more. And, I played with Longoria and then Crawford and Posey a little bit, so kind of know those guys are already a little bit, and it's always good to get better relationship with everyone. Just help them win games if that's pitching later in the game, if it's closing games, um, just to be able to help them win games day to day. Well, who is McGee outside of the jersey? Um, I'm just a family man. I like spend time with my wife and daughter a lot, and. You know, spend quality time, especially in the off seasons, and you know, always take advantage of the off seasons when we can. He just glows. His little girl is his world. You know that, like I told you yesterday, he, uh, you know, the Dodger team picture. You know, when they won, she's on his shoulders. I mean, and she just, he worships the ground she walks on, and he just treats her so good, and just, you know, it's just, like I said, it's just to watch him grow up and become the person he is. It's. It's been really, really heartwarming, you know, really cool. Putting in the work day to day, and it took me six years to get to the big leagues. I had Tommy John in 2008, and then made the big leagues in 2010, but from then on, I just kept working every day and in the off season, and look, at, look back at now 12 years later, and the big leagues is pretty crazy. What Jake's role will be in the Giants' bullpen, really kind of still up in the air, but the big left-hander, that fastball is still explosive. He may end up closing games for the Orange and Black in 2021. We'll be right back with much more on NSN Daily right after this. It is Wednesday, and that means uh, Murray's Mailbag, uh, your questions, Chris's answers. He opens up the mailbag every single Sunday afternoon and graciously answers all of your questions. Uh, Chris, you said uh, yesterday when we had a mailbag extra about uh, Ale Cajo that this was uh, 3,500 words this time around. Yeah, 3,500. Still the longest thing I'll write this week, but maybe not quite as long as some of the more recent ones. Cool. We got uh, got some good ones this week. Uh, let's dive right into it. Uh, Greg Wood at G Woods SF Bay. If rumors are correct, and they are, Chris has confirmed this and has written a story about it on NevadaSportsNet.com, Eric Scott's departure from the University of Nevada coaching staff, how much will it be felt during this coming season? His LA recruiting will also be sorely missed. Both facts. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I think it's a huge loss. Uh, I don't blame Eric Scott going to San Jose State, getting a co-offensive coordinator title uh, at Nevada. He was just a wide receivers coach, but he was one of the original coaches on Coach Norvell's staff. There's only two left now, uh, Timmy Chang, the tight ends coach, and Matt Mummy, the offensive coordinator. But I don't think there was a more important uh, staffer for uh, 
Jay Norvell, to be honest. I mean, the recruiting that he did, getting guys like Elijah Cooks and Romeo Dubs and Don Peterson and Burdell Robbins and Aaron Frost. I mean, four of those guys have already been all-conference players and Burdell's played in all-conference all level. Like, he's done a tremendous job with his ties to L.A. I mean, he was a youth coach there for about 12 years. Uh, was the coach at LA high was the the coach at uh, Compton Centennial high. So uh, he definitely has a lot of strong ties there, but beyond that, I mean, this is a guy who was a very good technical coach. He got his players to become better players on the field. And a lot of times you just have a recruiter or two on the staff who can't really coach, but they can go and get you players. Like Eric could do both. And Jay Norvell said, when he got the job, we're going to recruit LA. We're going to get back into that area. And the person who made that a reality and got really good players from uh, kind of under rocks, was Eric Scott. Not to say that Nevada still won't be uh, having some success recruiting that area, but Eric Scott had a ton of ties there. He was a good dude off the field as well during his time at Nevada. Um, you know, built a lot of really strong relationships specifically with his wide receivers. So um, it's a big, big loss for sure. Two things. Um, if there is a positive to come out of this, this is going to be a very attractive job to an up and coming coach uh, that Nevada is stacked at wide receiver and Carson Strong's the one throwing the ball to them. Uh, but two, do you go right back to the well and do you try and reconnect and pick somebody up, pluck somebody that, that has LA ties just to try and replace that sort of thing? What, what do you think your the strategy is going to be? Yeah. I mean, I think you get the best coach, but I think having ties to LA is a huge deal. Now, Nevada does have some guys down there on their staff right now who will recruit that area, but you're talking about two years ago, they lose Angus McClure, who's the godfather of Northern California. And then this year they lose Eric Scott, who's kind of the godfather of Southern California. So, um, you know, it certainly hurts your ability to get some of these recruits who you were able to get before, because it's all about relationships and knowing coaches who will give you correct information about players, not just give you information to get their players recruited because that makes them look good. And Eric Scott had those connections. So I think having a tie to Southern California will be important, but I do think being a good technical wide receivers coach is probably more important. I wouldn't be shocked if they moved Timmy Chang to wide receivers coach, to be 100% honest, because um, he did, when he first came to Nevada, he did recruit uh, or he did coach those inside wide receivers. They've since moved him to tight end. Um, but I could see them maybe doing something like that and hiring a new tight ends coach. Jay Norvell certainly has a lot of options, and this is going to be a very attractive job given the personnel that that new wide receivers coach is going to inherit. Next question coming from Nick. Uh, he's talking. I'm guessing he's talking about uh, Nevada men's basketball. How rusty is Nevada going to be after this very long period between games? Yeah, I mean, it's almost three weeks off, so it's not great. Uh, you know, right before the start of the Mountain West tournament, uh, uh, Coach Alford has talked about earlier this season, before his team was even inflicted with this, that sometimes you see teams come out of this and they look even better because they've had some rest. They've had a ton of practices to sharpen up. And then sometimes they come out and they're just flat and they're a much worse team than we lost saw them. Now, last time we saw Nevada, they were very, very good. I mean, they swept UNLV, they swept Boise State. I think you're going to still see a pretty sharp Wolfpack team. They're going to still have eight full practices um, by the time they were cleared by Washoe County to the time that they play their first game against Utah State on this Friday. So, um, you know, it's not ideal, but I do think that it could potentially be fine for the Wolfpack because they did get this extra rest and they're going to have two games against Utah State. They're going to make up a couple of postponed games before getting to the Mountain West tournament. So if for some reason they don't play well in the Mountain West tournament, I don't think you can completely blame this pause. But it's not ideal just given how well they were playing heading into the pause. I think they would have wanted to build some momentum, continue to get better by actually playing games. That's not the case, but I'm not going to assume that they're going to come out and be a much worse team than what we saw a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, I mean, you you can't predict it. You really, really don't know what, what team's going to show up. But yeah, they probably couldn't have had a break at a worse time considering how well they were playing.
Uh, Steve Lambert is in the mailbag. Are local high school football coaches concerned that the lack of adequate time for conditioning and training may lead to a high rate of injuries in the upcoming season? I'm going to defer to uh, Ernie Howard, the Bishop Minot coach who we had on the air last week. I mean, he said they're basically going to have the exact same number of practices, the same acclimation practices, the same contact practices. His biggest concern is that uh, Minogue and other schools didn't get their five to six week summer weight conditioning program, which is obviously very important. I mean, the more physically built up you are, the better you are going to be able to avoid injuries. So I think there is some concern, but I don't think the concern stems from like trying to rush through practices to get to games. They still have to have all of those practices in place. It's 13 practices, uh, three with a helmet, uh, three just with shells, three fully padded up. Uh, and the NIA actually built up an additional three practices in that 13 practice window. So I don't think that they're doing anything that should be looked down upon. I think they're trying to take all the proper precautions, but I do think the fact that you haven't had these traditional weight sessions over the summer could potentially lead to more injuries, but there's not much the NIA can do about that. Yeah, the only thing I would be not concerned with is maybe how rusty these teams are or just what what the offensive and defensive products going to look like because we're used to them having seven on seven camps. We're used to them having their their scrimmages, preseason scrimmages, and, and getting to see other teams and start to work kinks out and that sort of thing. So I'll be I'll be curious to see if that affects affects anything. But we're hoping for a March fifth uh, Friday night uh, first high school football game here in the north. Uh, Scott Demers. Scott is uh, usually got some great questions for the mailbag. Who would win in a best of seven series, the Sandlot Kids or the Bad News Bears team? Uh, I went Sandlot Kids, and I mentioned on yesterday's show, I actually found on the internet, somebody did a position-by-position position preview between the two and said that Sandlot Kids would be up 10 to 1 when the game was forfeited because of a fight. Um, so uh, Sandlot Kids... <laughs> They have a future big leaguer, Benny the Jet Rodriguez, uh, breaks in with the Dodgers late in that movie. Uh, their pitcher, Kenny DeNunez, uh, pitched minor league baseball for a long time. So um, I, I believe that the Sandlot team is A, more talented, but B, they don't have as much infighting. I think the chemistry would be better with the Sandlot kids than the Bad New Bears. I may have taken this uh, question too seriously, but I did I did try and go that position by position route, and I think the, the Sandlot kids come out on top, but I, I have a feeling that you are differing with me. I just, I'm, I'm a bad news Bears guy. I mean, one, they're going to be better coached because they have a coach, uh, depending on who it is, if it's Buttermaker or if it's uh, William Devane's character in the second one where they play at the Astrodome. Uh, and it depends on which team you're going to throw out there. Uh, one had one pitcher, one had a different pitcher. Kelly Leak is the best hitter out of all of them. I'm sorry. Kelly Leak is, is, is your guy. I mean, the kid rides up smoking a cigarette, riding a motorcycle. Uh, uh, Tanner, you want Tanner at shortstop because – you know, he's going to pick a fight with anybody. But, yeah, I think the infighting would be bad. My heart goes bad, News Bears. When you bring out numbers and facts and all that stuff that you do, uh, I would probably say uh, probably Sandlot Kids in five. About, I'll, give, I'll give them Sandlot Kids in five. Either way, it would be entertaining. Um, but, yeah, if, if you look around both teams and you could add those two teams together, that's a pretty good, darn good, uh, darn good ball club. That's a, that's a great, great question. From uh, Scott Demers, we appreciate that. Uh, wrap her up with Brendan Schneider. In your opinion, what is the best video game console of all time, and what is the best video game you have ever played? Uh, do you remember the Intellivision? Oh yeah, heck yeah! Okay, so that, that was the first game system we ever had. I think it was made in like the early 1980s. Uh, that was like where Frogger. I think there was some Pong involved. Mm -hmm directing us behind the scene and she's much younger. She probably has no idea what I'm talking about. Jenna, do you have any idea what an Intelli uh, Intellivision is? 
Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a very cool uh, machine, actually. Like the remote is like a circular thing. Uh, you should go look it up. But I think the best ever is the, the, the original NES. Like, can you beat the original NES? I don't think you can. Um, the Super NES was cool. The first PlayStation was cool. The current Nintendo Switch I like a lot. It's very versatile. You can play it as like a Game Boy handheld or you can plug it in and it goes onto your TV. But um, that is the best system there's ever been. And the best game for me is Super Tech Mobile, which came out in 1991. Uh, you know, I've probably spent, if you add up all the time, like six months playing that game of my life. Uh, I don't play video games anymore, but I did a lot as a kid. So I, I think that takes the cake for best game for me. I haven't played video games in, in a very, very long time. Um, uh, would you be Would you be the Raiders and have Bo Jackson? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we actually be kind of off limits to Bo Jackson because he couldn't be tackled. Uh, yeah. So didn't play with them, and you couldn't play with the 49ers or the Cowboys either because they were too good. So yeah. I really went with the Eagles because they had Randall Cunningham, although he was named QB Eagles. His likeness was not allowed in the game. Uh, there were a couple of players where it was like that, but uh, Eagles and the Bills are my two favorites to play with. Um, my first video game console was ColecoVision, and that's going way back. The neighbors had Intellivision, and we had ColecoVision. There was a game called Zaxxon, which was like a space shuttle flying through a maze, and it was 3D, and it was it was amazing. Um, but the, I remember our neighbors had Intellivision. We played Intellivision baseball uh, at sleepovers, and we'd play until the wee hours of the morning. Um, I did have an Xbox and uh, I, I did enjoy some of the games with Xbox, but uh, yeah, you talk about Super Nintendo was probably my favorite game console, and we played bases loaded baseball, <laughs> and we, I, we would play as a group because otherwise we fight because we were all teenagers, and it was like you get an at bat, I get an at bat, you pitch this guy this inning, whatever, and they, if you played Boston, and you were in base loaded baseball, you could beat everybody, you could. Crush <laughs> I still remember the name of the guy. There was a guy named Norcus who was like the number three hitter for Boston, and he was ridiculous. It was. I, what about what about a GameCube? Anyone have ever have a GameCube? Because my brother, I wasn't a big gamer, but my brother, big gamer guy. He probably had the thing Chris was talking about. He had all the <laughs> Nintendos, but the only one he ever let me play with was the GameCube. Maybe because it didn't have that many games on it, and it wasn't like the cool games. But those were pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, the GameCube, uh, I remember James Bond. That was a popular game on the GameCube. And like all my friends were good at it and I was horrible. So they would just <laughs> very quickly. So I got very frustrated with the GameCube. I never personally owned it, but uh, I do remember it. That was a big, big deal when that came out for sure. Jenna does not know what Coleco, do you know what, do you know what Atari was? <laughs> the 2600, the original OG? Um, No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get us off track here, but we went to RC Willie over the last weekend and they actually have a bunch of like cool arcade games, like the standalone arcade games. I think it's about $450, but you can get Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, you can get NBA Jam. Uh, there's a driving one. My only problem is, is each system is only one game. So you got to buy the arcade and they're not all built in. Oh, okay. My son wanted to go look at the TVs. We don't need a TV, but everybody likes to look at TVs. Men love looking at TVs whenever they go into a technology store. Sure. But I did see those arcade games, and it was very nostalgic to see, like, Miss Pac-Man. We, we played that for, like, 10 minutes. I was about to say, there's a spot downtown by Miguel's that's called Press Start, and they have all the arcade games. So I don't know if your son should probably go in there, but if you're ever trying to relive the good days, that's a pretty cool spot. Maybe that'll be my retirement after broadcasting is open up a, open up a, a quarter video game store or something like that. That'd be fun. But if, yeah, if we're going to get into that, the stand-up video games, 
golden tea. I absolutely love playing golden tea. And I, I think I could find a spot and put one in the house. I could <laughs> definitely find a spot. I'm sure I could probably find one. They actually, I'm, I'm like 99% sure they do have one at RC Willie. I think golden tea was one of them. I think it was like around 450 bucks. So save really? money, head down to RC Willie. Like I'm going to feel bad if you drive all the way down there and it's not there, but I'm pretty sure there was a golden tea there. Let me give, grab my mask. I'm going to go to RC Willie <laughs> right now. Uh, Mary's Mailbag airs every single Wednesday. Chris opens up the mailbag on Twitter. Follow him at ByChrisMurray on Twitter and uh, ask him your questions. See what kind of questions make this show. Bad News Bears versus Sandlot and video games. It's not always just sports. It's just uh, what we like talking about. Well, much more coming up on NSN Daily right after this. Welcome back to NSN Daily. Uh, you know, it was weird, Alex, this morning. You know, we get up and we've got our, our daily planning meeting that uh, we expect. Everything's going to stay the same all day long. And then we have breaking news. As we, as we got up and started putting things together, we thought, okay, Nevada uh, men's basketball and women's basketball were both going to get two of the four games that they had lost. Well, that didn't continue throughout the day. The women are hopefully going to continue to have their two games rescheduled but the men have lost their san jose state game which we were expecting to televise here on nsn3 stadium on march 3rd because san jose state now has multiple covid19 cases in their program yeah it's too bad uh to see that happen nevada was supposed to get that game and then they will still get at least for now a game against colorado state at waller event center next week to wrap up the regular season but um you know it's just kind of part of what we have to deal with right now in this whole uh craziness uh, but I think you know a lot of people are just happy to continue playing and this is kind of what you have to deal with and for Nevada it's going to be interesting to see now how they come back this week uh, we talked to head coach Steve Alford this morning uh, before he found out about now losing this game to San Jose but the real challenge is now picking up uh, where they left off Nevada was so good uh, in that stretch before getting shut down because of COVID they had won four in a row two against UNLV and then the sweep against Boise State how does that team uh, fare with that layoff and, and how did that affect their momentum and just the, the way they were playing uh, really peaking at the right time, you know, can they pick up right where they left off with a really big challenge this weekend uh, heading to play Utah state uh, in Logan, which is one of the few places actually allowing fans right now. Let's get into the Utah state game a little bit. Uh, you know, when it comes to Utah state, they've got uh, one of the best big men in the conference and uh, 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 what do you think Nevada's going to have to do to train you, you can't stop him, but maybe try and contain him a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, when we talked to Coach Alford, he said some of the big things are just rebounding on both sides. Uh, Nevada is not going to, to get a lot of help when it comes to rebounding with the size of Keita. So you've got to, to make your shots. You're not going to get too many second chances. And on uh, the defensive last, you've got to keep Utah State from getting those second chance opportunities. And he called it kind of a team rebounding effort is going to be needed. Uh, if Nevada is going to beat Utah State, but they're a talented team. They've got a great head coach. They've been really good these last couple of years in the Mountain West, and they're they're a team that feels like they could get back to the NCAA tournament this year. Uh, and, and Nevada uh, certainly trying to stand in their way of that. You know, Nevada goes there and gets a couple of wins. That would really hurt Utah State's chances. But uh, I think the Mountain West right now is is kind of up up for grabs still, and and really anybody's league. Well, if you want to check that out, it's going to be on uh, FS1 both days, uh, Friday and Sunday, a 6 p.m. tip-off against Utah State in Logan on Friday, 4 p.m. tip-off Sunday in Logan on Fox 
Sports One. Uh, when it comes to the women, they are, you know, they fortunately found out that they are going to be able to keep keep their uh, keep one of their, both of their games that they're getting back out of the four that they lost. But uh, um, when it comes to this women's team, they can still gain some momentum before um, before the, uh, the Mountain West Conference tournaments and uh, a couple of games against Utah State. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Momentum. I think both teams are trying to get momentum heading into that final week, and and they'll both. Uh, get to play next week so kind of get a chance to continue to work on some things and then for the women the tournament starts real real quick here March 7th on a Sunday so uh, they don't have a whole lot of time to prepare for that. Uh, let's get to uh, Washoe County School District uh, making a uh, decision last night uh, nothing concrete yet but they are going to allow fans how many fans uh, is still kind of up in the air we're expecting that policy to be released because they want to make it equitable is the quote that we've heard meaning uh one player gets two fans, so not one player gets six, something like that. So it's an across board. Uh, how surprised were you that uh, that they were going to allow fans? Yeah, um, a little bit surprised, but you know, it did come down from the governor that that they were going to allow fans at games starting on March fifteenth, right? So um, we'll just kind of see how that pans out. But I think for a lot of the parents and family members of these players, it's really exciting for them to get an opportunity to see their kids play. And I know that's been. Really, it's priority getting the kids back out on the fields and uh, exciting to be able to see that here in the next couple of weeks. Well, the measure passed by a 6-1 vote on the school board, too. The Washoe County, Washoe County uh, decided uh, 6-1 uh, to make this happen. I think parents are going to be as excited as the kids just to get out and uh, get on some cold bleachers. We're hearing 6 o'clock kickoffs for football. But uh, in February and March, that's still pretty darn cold. But I think parents are from this as much as the kids yeah i mean it's just trying to get a little bit of normalcy you know and and, and getting the opportunity to to watch their kids compete and and we know how badly uh high school football players wanted to get back out on the gridiron and uh, excited you know hopefully to see this whole thing come come to fruition here in the next month and month and a half we got about 90 seconds left in the segment i think that's going to do wonders for our nsn staff because uh we haven't been told how we can safely cover these games we expect to. Um, what we do on Friday nights, usually folks know it as Friday Night Lights. This will be a much abridged version of that because we want to keep our people safe, but we still want to go out and cover some games on, on Friday nights. Uh, uh, I think we're going to have people volunteering to go out there, Alex, and despite it being cold, I think we're going to have folks that want to get out there. Got a bit of a, about a minute left in the segment. Yeah, it's great uh, to get an opportunity to cover more, more sports, and we've been fortunate to get a chance to get out for the fact Wolfpack basketball, Wolfpack volleyball coming in, and then you know missing high school football last fall it was just weird. It was so weird to have a fall without high school football. So it'll be different uh, playing here in the spring. Different challenges. Maybe we'll have some snow falling uh, during some games, which we could have seen uh, at that point in time too. But uh, you know, it's, it's pretty unique. Uh, some March football here in Northern Nevada. One email I received uh, overnight was from a, a coach and a parent of. Lacrosse player. He's got a couple of boys that are lacrosse players. So we're trying to bridge the gap there and talk with their board of trustees, their board uh, when it comes to lacrosse. And because it is a club sport, they have, have different challenges, but it's become so much more popular here in North Nevada. I'm going to be very curious to see what they're trying to do to get lacrosse, a club sport, to be uh, safely played. Coming up next here in NSN Daily, Tiger Woods in a horrific crash. What's his future in golf going to be? Going to talk about that. He injured in a car wreck in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, Alex underwent several hours of emergency surgery to repair what doctors are calling, quote, significant orthopedic injuries to his lower right leg and ankle. Uh, when you look at that vehicle, I mean, 
uh, you, you fear the worst when you see a crash like that. Yeah, I mean, terrifying scene. And, and uh, people said he was lucky to walk away, you know, well, not literally walk away, but, you know, he was lucky to, to, to not um, lose his life in that type of an accident. And, you know, that's, that's really tough for, for the sport. I mean, Tiger Woods is, is arguably the greatest golfer that's ever played and has had maybe more impact on the game of golf than any other previous golfer, especially when you consider just the, the way that he came up through the game and, and all that. Um, the question now is, will we ever see him swing a golf club again? He already had back problems again, and that's been kind of a, a lingering thing for him over the last few years. But will, will he be able to recover from this injury between the back and now you add in these leg injuries? Um, you know, I, I wouldn't doubt Tiger Woods just knowing, you know, the competitor that he is and how hard that he works. I imagine he's going to do everything physically possible uh, to, to try and, and, you know, become a professional golfer again. But I'm sure for now he's, he's more just concerned about trying to live, you know, and, and um, surviving this type of an injury and, and getting back onto his feet, which is going to take a long time. So definitely a gruesome deal uh, to see and, and just glad to see that he uh, made it out of that alive. The first thing I'm never going to do is doubt Tiger Woods. I mean, what we saw years ago with the back, he'd go through a full swing and just, you can tell anybody who's had back problems, you and I have both had that, that issue. You, you, you know how that feels and it is debilitating and it is just, you feel like you can't do anything, but the competitor in him shoved him through it. He had the surgeries, he had the time off and came back and what did he do? He wins the freaking masters. All right. You don't doubt Tiger Woods, but at the same time, he's got more money than he's ever going to need. Uh, is it time to just ride off into the sunset? Um, but if you're Tiger, I think Tiger's probably already thinking, all right, when can I make my comeback in 2024? Or does he wait five years and then play in the seniors or in the champion tour? He's 45. I mean, when I look at Tiger, I think of the, the kid that was on what Johnny Carson or something like that. I think of a young, young player, but he's 45. And you know, five years from now, are you healed up enough to come up and make the big return to the champion tour? Or do you just get on a big boat and go find an island somewhere? I'd probably find an island and build myself a golf course, but that's, that's just me. We'll be right back to wrap things up here on NSM Daily right after this. I want to thank uh, the new skipper of the Reno Aces, Blake Lolly, for coming on, and, of course, Jake McGee and his dad for taking the time to uh, let us do uh, that story. Uh, coming up on the show tomorrow, Alex, we're going to catch up with T.J. Bruce. Wolfpack baseball team won three out of four over the weekend against Cal Poly. Yeah, great start to the season for T.J. Bruce and company now getting thrust straight into Mountain West play against uh, UNLV. So it'd be great to catch up with TJ. That'll do it for us here on NSN Daily. For Alex Margulies and Anthony Resnick, I'm Brian Samudia. We'll see you next time.